You're listening to a Holyfield podcast. All right. Uh, welcome back to pod number, episode number seven of the Goalyfield podcast from the Holyfield Podcast Network. I am one of your hosts, Will Muckian, and with me today is host number two, Connor Hardy. And I just waved at the... Uh, you waved, the... yeah. Great visual. Um, <laughs> and so we are here, as we are every week, to talk about everything that happened in the Premier League last week, everything that's happening with Premier League teams in the Premier League, outside of the Premier League, um, and just uh, we're going get to get right into it um, with a plug. And that plug is for something that is not out yet. It's an article I'm writing for Holyfield, uh, which is now on Medium, talking about the rise of small market teams in terms of relevance. Um, much of it has to do with how far United's dropped off, which is something we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast. Um, but in that dropping off, it's opened the door for smaller market teams. Two of the teams I mentioned are uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers and the Bournemouth AFC born with cherries, um, to slide in and kind of fill some vacancies in the top seven, along with teams like Watford that have also impressed really early on in the season. Who knows if those things will hold by the time my article comes out? It could have all changed and they could all be at the bottom of the table, such as <laughs> life in the Premier League. But uh, just keep an eye out, uh, an eye out for that. That should be releasing hopefully within the within the week. I, I want to get it out before the next week when everything, like I said, could very well change. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't want everything to be irrelevant. Uh, the first thing, though, that we're going to be talking about as a duo is uh, watchability rankings. Uh, we plan to do this earlier in the season, uh, going off of the Ringers system for watchability rankings, which they update weekly, um, which is not just the Premier League. They include other leagues in there as well, but we're... For the purposes of our podcast, we're going to be focusing solely on their rankings of the Premier League, um, which starts predictably at the top with Manchester City. Yeah, that, I, that just makes sense. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we won't have much to say, I don't think, about the uh, the first two selections, which are City and Chelsea, um, both just flaming fast teams, um, awesome players, marquee talents. And it looks like was it, does that say City that were they first overall? In the yeah, top five they were. Leagues? So they were okay. first overall among all of the Ringers' watchability rankings. Again, not super surprising. It's a team with top class talent all over the field. Pep Guardiola is a world class manager, and yeah, I don't. I mean, I have no complaints there. No. Do you want to go into what the actual variables are? Yeah. That, so they kind of rank them. Like yeah. That. So their variable rating system uses four factors, which is dribbles. Um, deep completions, which are passes completed within 20 yards of goal, um, passes allowed per defensive action, which is basically a measurement of how aggressive a team's defense is and how, you know, just how fast and furious they play. And then, uh, expected goals, which is a pretty basic metric, um, just to measure, you know, how often the offense um, puts itself in a position to score. Whether they score or not, they're putting themselves in positions to score and they're getting good looks and they're getting good shots. Um, so, yeah, City ranks well in all of, all right. of these categories. Right. I mean, 9.08 expected goals yeah, that's, is that's insane. <laughs> I mean, like, that's it's bonkers. None of the other teams in the Premier League will touch that. Chelsea is not even half... The expected goal differential that uh, that City boasts at four point five, um, 
Yeah, I mean, Manchester City, super high-pressing, aggressive defense with a 3.82. Um, I cannot just remember that. Passes per. So, Chelsea, number two. Again, nothing's touching City's rankings on anything. But I think it's safe to say I don't have ratings from last year to compare to uh, right. to Conte. But this is a much more watchable team than, than anything I think Conte was rolling out last year. Yeah, definitely. And they're just, like like we've again discussed, they're, they're getting into, into better positions. They're... They're they're kind of all heightening their performance under under Sari, and so that's yeah, no surprise to see them number two. Mm-hmm. However, I'm a little bit surprised to see Tottenham at three. Yeah, they now we watch probably more Tottenham than we watch anything else. Yeah, but <laughs> and it's just I mean when I when I think of Spurs, I don't think of them as as a team that's necessarily very watchable or or, or a team that that you're gonna like when they're playing, you're gonna you're gonna plan around that so that. Uh, you're able to see the game. It's just kind of, uh, I don't know. That's that's a little surprising to me. They have they have too many just one zero games in which they kind of get their goal and then sit off. For mm-hmm. me to think that that's yeah, really and, all that watchable. And if this is, I don't know if there was any sort of eye test that factored into this, or if it was just numbers. Um, but if it is just numbers, I mean that you're starting to see where those two things don't line up, and that's why we're doing this is because. You can look at certain numbers, you know, Tottenham does create chances in front of goal. They do play, you know, they do play balls in the final third, and, and they can put themselves in those positions rather willingly, but they don't always do that. And right. they, I wouldn't even say they frequently do that. Like you said, they, they're kind of a one-goal-and-sit team, and for better or for worse. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and so then... I mean, Arsenal in fourth. I think this year they're. I feel like if if so, you said these, they have to these week. These yeah, rankings these weekly. are weekly. I feel like Arsenal are going to finish higher than Tottenham because they just keep playing. I mean, better and better. Did you? I mean, I'm sure you saw the third goal that they scored against Leicester. That was just brilliant, brilliant team play. And I mean, this the Arsenal team is really clicking. They've won. I want to say eight or nine league games in a row. No, it's not nine league goals because we played <laughs> nine matches. But. Um, I think outside of the league, just looking at all competitions combined, there they've won quite uh, a, an impressive stretch in a row, and so this outfit is finally gelling together, like I said, and that one makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you that they probably finish above Tottenham um, now that Emery is starting to gel and figure out the personnel he wants to go with, and I don't know that they'll finish above fourth. I just kind of. I think you and I both expect Tottenham to drop yeah, out, of, yeah. out of the top three. And team number five, Liverpool, I expect to rise. Yeah. I mean, they've had kind of a weirdly quiet year. I feel like the talk has mostly been about Chelsea, which very deserved. I mean, I, I have nothing. we've had nothing but good things to say about that team and, and the way that they've revamped their style all year, but... Liverpool, I think, came in with these very lofty expectations, and while they haven't necessarily been like the head and shoulders above the rest of the league team that we like thought they'd be, they are undeniably the upper crust, just sharing that position with City and and with Chelsea. Absolutely, I think you're right in the point that I mean they ha- they've gone yeah weirdly flying under the radar just because they're not playing like Liverpool teams have been in the past where they'll mm-hmm. beat you four three or four two. Mm-hmm. 
they're playing more like a, a controlled championship team that knows, hey, we've got to balance the Premier League, Champions League, and all these other different competitions mm-hmm. that they're staying in. And so they're they're not necessarily going to go out every single day looking for a fourth goal if they know that they can win it 2-0 or something like that. So I think it's um, that that probably is why they're lower on these rankings is because they're, they're kind of realizing that that's what a team that has a sh- very real shot at winning a lot of major uh, leagues and, and uh, opportunities and trophies, that's kind of what they have to do and they have to be able to, to play like that. And so I think that's probably, again, why we're seeing Liverpool down in the rankings. But, um, I mean, definitely when when you turn a Liverpool game on, I, I feel like it's not never going to be something that yeah. you're, you're bored with. So. It's gripping. I, yeah. I, yeah. They play fun if if the box score isn't necessarily what it used to be. You right. know, it's still a fun, fun game to watch. Uh, this is... Um, Surprising, pleasantly so for me, but the team to follow Liverpool is Bournemouth. Um, I do think I've campaigned for Bournemouth as a fun team. They do press aggressively. They make the most of their chances. They love to get out and run. Um, one area you see them struggle when compared to the teams before them is in expected goals. Um, Liverpool has 3.03 expected goals. Bournemouth, 1.78. Uh, as a guy that watches this team, not surprised to see the discrepancy there. Uh, you saw it last week against Southampton, which we'll get into a little bit later, but they struggled to really create quality chances in front of goal um, or really any semblance of sound offensive motion in the final third. Um, but they're a team that loves to blitz their defenders. They love to send pressure and swarm ball player or ball handlers if that's even the right word. Whoever's got the ball, they love to swarm. And uh, they play with a really fun pace, and they love to get out. And so I'm happy to see them here. I think they'll have games like Southampton where you wonder why you watched it, but they'll also have games against upper-half clubs where you're happy you did because they came out and they impressed. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you have anything to say about that. No, yeah, I mean, I, th- I, I definitely think that you're right. And I, I've always thought, yeah, even... Even past couple years where they've been decent, then they haven't been as good as they are this year. I'd still see them as a very fun team to watch, just because. I mean, like you said, it could be any number of Bournemouth teams that shows up first of yeah. all. Just with regards to the fact that they used to be so inconsistent, they would play United super well or play again a top half team super well, and then. I mean, I guess they're still doing that. They lost, still lost to Burnley four 0 this season. But yeah, I think it's. It's they're doing better. Yeah. yeah, they're doing better. But there is still kind of that wild card aspect, I would agree. But then they're, they're followed by Manchester United. Who, <laughs> I mean, there's not really a wild card there. You kind of know what you're getting. You're just Do getting, you? You're, well, <laughs> you're getting a team that's super talented, but again... Lacks any cohesion. Right. I would still argue that this season, that I don't think I've seen one game in which they've fully played to their potential. Mm-hmm. And so whether you blame that on the manager, whether you blame that on the players, whether you blame it on the schedule, whatever it may be, uh, the fact still remains that United hasn't, again, really come together as one yet and mm-hmm. really um, played the impressive football that we all know, again, that they're capable of. And so, I'm honestly, I know we were talking about this a little bit before, I'm a little surprised to see them this high up in the rankings, yeah. honestly. Top I mean, seven is surprising. Just because, again, like Mourinho's brought in a very anti pre anti-previous United? That's not a, That shouldn't be a saying. Just like counterculture, I guess. Counterculture. To United. Yeah. Counterculture. Word of the day. <laughs> yeah, there you go. 
it it feels you know how bad the chemistry is when you watch them right. like it just doesn't feel it feels very herky-jerky it feels like the style of play changes based on whichever player has the ball at his feet yeah and it's it's really just kind of disorienting to watch because of how different all these players are and just totally out of sync they are yeah. so yeah i again this is one of those things where i think the numbers don't necessarily jive with what you're the product you're absorbing with your eyes united is not really that fun to watch they'll get some crazy goals i mean there's probably no better assortment of highlight worthy players yeah but very true it's just those highlights are so few and far in between a whole lot of you know 85 minutes of total jumble that it's hard for me to justify that following them um everton which well eh, yeah know. yeah I, mean, I, f- I feel like like well especially off of the top seven that's listed in here there's a sizable drop off yeah to the point I would where agree. anyone even contends for for that that spot above and so yeah they, they go with everton and and i see why i mean everton is again kind of growing in stature they they did a ton of deals with barcelona mm-hmm. i mean in this transfer window or in the august transfer window and brought in some new faces and i mean they're they're a good side they're they as well don't always play up to their potential but i mean honestly the rest of these teams it's it's hard for me to call them them fun like especially having southampton to to go on yeah right that that one surprised me because or number nine no it is yeah it's number nine everton's eight yeah okay but but yeah that's i mean Again, I I just talked about this game, but they were so dull to watch on on Saturday. I I mean, it would be one thing if Bournemouth was playing poorly, but the team they were playing against was at least doing something interesting. It was just I feel like I burned bad on bad. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I just burned an hour and a half of my day with no reward. So, yeah, Southampton really shocked the, the team that follows them, Watford, is one that I would probably put above Everton and Southampton. Yeah, I was just going to say I that, think yeah. that this year they've really been an exciting team to watch. Pereira is playing still very well. The striker pairing, I think teams have started to figure that out, and it's not as crazy effective as it was at the beginning of the season. Right, right. Of uh, Dini and, um, is it Gray? Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, the, I would very much have them above Everton and Southampton. I think they don't... This recent run, I think, of bad play has kind of screwed them over where they started the season really hot and they've slowed down a little bit since, even after getting the win against Wolves. But, yeah, I, that's one, again, where the numbers and the uh, the visual aren't lining up for me. Yeah. And again, there's there's so many of these teams after here, like, uh, Palace. I mean, I mean, Wolves. They've they've been pretty fun to watch from from the games that I've been able to see, and so uh, they're in the bottom half of this rankings, which uh, is a little interesting. And then I think I think West Ham. They were hurt by a, a very poor start to the season. Mm-hmm. I'd agree. I think that they're doing nothing but improving, especially in, in these rankings as well. They're improving as a team, but they're also improving as um, in in a lot of these different categories that are are listed here. Worth mentioning though that with uh, this Yarmolenko injury, yeah. which. I don't know if you want to get into that right now. We may as well. Yeah, they. I don't know what he did. I think he did something to his knee, but I'm not certain on that. I just saw that he was going to be out for probably up to six months. Which, which is a big blow yeah, for that team. Not great for, for West yeah. Ham. 
especially after being beat by us at the weekend, but <laughs> as it goes. And then, yeah, you, you keep going down these lists, and it and gets, it gets to, predictable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Leicester, Fulham, uh, Brighton. Brighton, actually, that's a team I would like to see a little higher. I think they're... And again, I haven't watched a ton of Brighton. I haven't watched hardly any Fulham. But Brighton is a team I know that likes to get out and attack, and even if they're not playing like hyper-aggressive defense, you know, they don't score very well. They're moving, you know, they're moving the ball very willingly. Same with Newcastle United in their game against Manchester United. Right. That was a fun game. And not just because we were salivating to see United possibly lose. Obviously, they salvaged that game. <laughs> but it was, I mean, for probably 60 minutes of that game, they looked legitimately entertaining. And the ball was moving and they were running. And that's so the problem with so Newcastle forth. is that's, that's pretty much the only time this season that they looked like that. Yeah. And so... Alas. And then, I mean, Cardiff, Huddersfield, Burnley, name three more boring teams that you've ever watched <laughs> in your life. I challenge you. I would right. rather watch the Chicago Fire play than watch Cardiff, Huddersfield, or Burnley play anywhere, any sport. Much less um, each other. Yeah, oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, I mean, <laughs> the Burnley and Huddersfield expected goals. <laughs> Huddersfield at negative 4.59, Burnley at negative 4.75. How do you get a negative there? Is that compared to your opponent? I could not tell you, but anyone who's projected to score almost negative five goals a game is <laughs> that's not that's not fun football. Yeah, that, that's not great. So yeah, that and with that, you know, we'll we'll conclude this watchability thing. This may or may not be a thing we uh, reprise throughout the uh, throughout the season, but we thought we'd give it a go, talk about it a little bit. It's something we meant to talk about earlier and just kind of forgot, and we're coming back to it now. Um, but with that, we just talked about half, you know, we talked about all the clubs. We're going to zone in on the three promoted clubs, uh, Wolves, Fulham, and Cardiff. I suppose I might order it Wolves, Cardiff, Fulham now after, <laughs> after yeah. this past week. Um, what are we looking at so far? Well, we're looking at, uh, again, coming into the season, the thought that there was going to be two of the promoted sides, Wolves and Fulham, that, that really outperformed and, and had a chance to even crack the uh, bottom half of the top ten. Uh, and then they were kind of just leaving Cardiff dead in the water, which, I mean, that hasn't been necessarily wrong with respect to Cardiff. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the only true shock has been how bad Fulham have played. Yeah. There's a ton of the talent that they signed on. I mean, Andre Sherla, he pretty much every game he shines through is just a, with a speck of brilliance. I mean, he scored a goal against Cardiff at the weekend. That you're like, yeah, he broke it open. Yeah. I think he was the first goal. Yeah, he was. And so you just kind of look at that and you're like, wow, okay. So they they have individual pieces of talent, and I I just don't really know what the problem is going on at Fulham. They just they aren't connecting. Their defense is awful. Yeah, um, I mean. The worst goals allowed in the in the prem by a significant margin. Yeah, the closest would be Cardiff, uh, but they're six goals better. Yeah. And so Fulham's offense has been there in a way that these bottom clubs haven't been. Eleven goals for, but they're currently sitting after this past four-two drubbing from Cardiff. They're sitting below Cardiff City in the in the table, which is insane to me because this is a team that feels like it was sitting in the middle of the table not two weeks ago. Right, And exactly. so, yeah, I don't know if, if teams have just figured out what they're up against, if, if the managerial side of things needs to be more creative. 
the back line certainly needs to get something figured out. The, right. And they just need to stop the ball from falling into their own net. But And as much as I love our American Tim Ream on there as their <laughs> center back, he has just not been um, a viable option. And he continues mm-hmm. to get the starts, but um, c- continuously he's just not, I don't know, he's not, he's not helping the team. He's bringing less to the table. Not so, a top play player. So yeah, Fulham have been bad. Cardiff have also been bad, but this weekend was a huge, a huge win for them. It was their first win, I should say, and so um, they kind of got off the respective three-point schneid, if you will. Yeah. And so um, I I don't know. It was it showed that I mean this is a team that took I think three or four games to get their first goal in the Premier League, and everyone thought, oh well, here we go. And again, that's not completely wrong. They're, they still only have five points. Yeah. And they're still in seventeenth, hovering right over the drop zone but um a lot of this comes down to it's going to be performances against clubs like this and so um that that win over Fulham is going to be huge those are going to be games they're going to have to win if you want to survive for another year in the Premier League and Mm -hmm. so yeah they've been very very poor to mediocre range I would say yeah um again though they they really showed through with a, a couple really really nice goals at the weekend and just taking advantage of mistakes from Fulham. Yeah. Worth noting that Cardiff actually doubled their season goal total against <laughs> against Fulham. They had four goals going into the game. They scored four uh, against wow. Fulham. So, yeah, if that gives you any indication of how just piss poor that offense has been. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's not been a pretty start to the season for them. But uh, as we're saying, you know, neither has it been for Fulham. Wolves have played very well. Yeah, Wolves have. Um, like I said at the beginning, you know, this is something I'm I'm writing about and I'm looking into it and... Obviously, of the three clubs, Wolves' transfer window it just eclipsed the other two. Yeah. You know, at a time where, I mean, sheesh, I think Cardiff's marquee signing might have been Harry Arter on loan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they did not right. They did not certainly make moves. Fulham made some great moves, you know, Andre Sherla and, I mean. Yeah, they brought in a lot of midfielders, John, yeah. Michelle Seri, and then uh, a couple goalkeepers as well. So, yeah, the, the talent is there. I think that... Um, just again it's the defense it's mm-hmm. it's a lot of a lot of problems back there and so uh yeah it, it is interesting to see the disparate dis, dis, <laughs> we'll give you time discrepancy there it is <laughs> between um wolves versus the other two promoted clubs but i mean yeah. wolves are playing like a yeah like a seasoned premier league uh side yeah if you know if not necessarily a top like a top end one they are at least playing like a team that will stay in the league for a foreseeable time. You know, yeah. dropping the game at Watford dropped them out of the top seven and moved Watford into the top seven. But um, they've played as well as they could be expected to play, right. in my opinion. Exactly. You know, there's just a lot of talent on that team, a lot of smart managerial decisions. And I really, I'm going to be excited to see what they look like next year because I think there's a lot of potential for growth. But there's a lot of people they have to retain too to like keep that team intact. Right. And yeah. Rui Patricio, you know, you can't let him out the door or out of your sight for a second because he's been stellar for most of the year. Absolutely. And there's actually a lot of Portuguese talent on that team. Yeah, that's the which thing I there. always forget. Like they're just the Portuguese B team. Yeah. Them. Right. So there's there's a ton of talent there. Expect to see them poach more talent from uh, the Portuguese league moving forward. I guess. Um, but yeah, Wolves are. I can't say enough good things about how they've come out this season and just impressed. Um, with that, we'll get into some upper crust teams and how they've 
performed in the uh, Champions League. But before we can talk about any team, we have to first talk about Tottenham, who played today. Um, and following their game, I promised Connor I'd give him unrestricted airtime to reflect on today's game. Right. Reflect. That's an interesting the, uh, word. I was going to use a different one. <laughs> the microphone is yours. So PSV, Spurs, I mean, uh, this is the third match day of the uh, Champions League so far. Both teams had no points after dropping games to Inter and Barcelona. And so, I mean, coming into this game, this was a game that Spurs absolutely had to win. And PSV, too, to be fair. But both teams had to win. A point really does no one all that all that much good. And so, it was played in the Netherlands. And so, PSV scored in the, uh, what was it, the yeah, 30th minute, pretty much, right before the half-hour mark. And... Um, it was Herving Lozano, uh, the Mexican, and he's 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 so speedy, and he's so, um, I mean, he is one of their most talented players, and I'll touch more on him later. But I mean, it's a, it was a mistake from Alderweireld at the back, and then um, it only took about t- ten minutes. Lucas Mora finally got on the board after uh, Donaldson Sanchez's goal was disallowed, which, I mean. It's disallowed <laughs> because they say that Harry Kane was interfering with the play. And for those of you that didn't see it, it was a corner swung in. It was kind of falling in the box. And so Davin Sanchez puts his left foot through it and scores. And so Harry Kane had found his way behind the goalkeeper. And there was still a defender on the line. Mm-hmm. So there was still one man behind him. But obviously with offside, there needs to be two uh, between you and the goal. And so uh, Harry Kane was in between the goalkeeper and the goal. But he was... I mean, the rule is that you can be called offside even if you don't touch the ball so that's the, that's the the newness of this rule i think they changed it at the beginning of last year that you don't have to touch the ball to still be in an offside you just have to infer, interfere with the play and so i mean sanchez scores and he puts it to the other side of the goal and yeah, away from kane right and i mean so that yeah and, and away from the defender that's still on the line because i can mm-hmm. see that if it had gone to the defender then they can say oh well kane interfered with that and kane is again probably like three feet behind the goalkeeper so it's it's not like he's like right behind him, interfering with his mm-hmm. ability to save it, and so that one baffles me. So that was a goal gone, and then Tottenham hit the post twice today. I mean, Lucas Moore scored off of a deflection, which is really good, and then Harry Kane with a great header and an even better ball played in by Christian Eriksen. So they're up two one. Um, things were looking good. The and I, I knew watching this game, having been a Spurs fan for long enough, that I knew that they were going to have to get. A third goal because I knew that something was going to go wrong or that PSV was going to put on a late charge. So they didn't. They again hit the post. They uh, Harry Kane had another. It was a great save by the the PSV keeper. And so then in the fucking like 80th minute or whatever it was, I mean Erickson. I can't really get mad at him for this because he had such a good game. But he loses the ball right in the middle of the park. It's a great ball through from the PSV guy runs right onto it and it goes to Lozano, who again, as we talked about, is extremely pacey. And so he gets right through the defenders, and he's going to get to the ball first. Loris, for whatever fucking reason, <laughs> absolutely beelines it off his, off the line and comes and slides, misses the ball by probably three seconds. I mean, Lozano had gotten to the ball, touched it out of the way, and then Loris slides into Lozano. I mean, it's outside the box, so it's not a penalty, but, I mean... It's it's a clear red card. It's as it's as clear as a red card as as you can get. And so he's sent off. I mean, obviously Spurs are down to ten men. They have to bring in Vorm uh, for for Sun in order to have someone to actually play goalie. 
And so, um, and then naturally, naturally, about seven minutes later, um, the PSV striker guides a ball in on a little tip shot to tie the game. So it's 2-2. And I, again, I'm, I'm trying to find blame because someone, I'm so fucking sick and tired of this <laughs> that I, I knew this was going to happen. And that's, that's the most disappointing part is when, mm-hmm. you, when you just know and you can just only sit there and watch it happen. And just say, I told you so. But there's really no one to say, I told you so, too. Because, like, everyone else knew it was going to happen, too. <laughs> but just, again, I'm trying to find blame for someone on this. And, I mean, it was a bad giveaway from Erickson, but you can't, you really can't. I mean, he was brilliant all night. He's back from injury now, and he was creating a ton of different chances. I mean, Harry Kane was, he wasn't clinical, per se, but, I mean, he, he put away the header he had, and he got into a lot of good opportunities. And there were some just good saves, and him hitting the post, uh, the that kind of kept him from getting a goal. You can blame the refs, which, like, that's always a fun thing to do with the fact that, I mean, mm-hmm. taking Dominic Sanchez's goal away, that's a little bit of bullshit. And then, but my blame just continues to reside back to Hugh Lloris. Because this is yeah. the second time, for those of you that remember, that in, this ch- in the Champions League alone, in the three games in the Champions League the Spurs have played, this is the second time that he has come out and made an absolute ass of himself Trying to trying to get the ball that is outside of the 18-yard box. And I understand that this is the age of the sweeper-keeper where anything anything the keeper can get to, he will <laughs> try and get to. Lloris is not that man. <laughs> right, but he can't get to the fucking ball. And so, I mean, this happened against Barcelona. It was in, like, the fucking third minute. He slides out, tries to get the ball from Jordi Alba. Jordi Alba slots it to Coutinho. It's a wide-open goal, and Barcelona go ahead. And I'm not saying that had that not happened, Spurs would have won that game and or even got anything out of that game. But, I mean, when you're playing a team like Barcelona, it is so important that you don't, that you don't, you bend and don't break. Mm-hmm. And so, coming into a game where you know that it's going to be difficult to keep them out and very difficult to go forward and score, a mistake like that is, is even more costly than in just a normal game. And so, I mean, that, in the third minute especially, that you, I mean, you've played three and boom, you're already down. I mean, that's just awful. And so... That game, that was right after his drunk driving arrest. Or that was his first game back from it, I should say. And so everyone was making the jokes of if he's drunk. And, I mean, it, this must be one fucking hell of a hangover because yeah. you can't be doing this. Red card, he's going to he's gonna miss the, the next game with PSV as well. And so I'm sick of it. Fingers crossed it's not warm in between the sticks. Hopefully not. I mean, they brought him in and... There, to be fair, there's nothing he could have done about the goal that they oh, did score yeah. on him. But I just mean from body no, work yeah, while Lloris was out. Right, and so I'm tired of this. We're not going to be in the Champions League for that much longer. Hopefully they can make it into the Europa League. That would be huge. But I can very much see them coming in last. So <laughs> who knows? That's my spiel. Fuck, fucking damn it. <laughs> Gah, fuck. <laughs> anyway. That was one game of the Champions League. The rest we will go yeah. through a li- with a little bit more uh, brevity. But um, With regards to Premier League clubs, yes. Yes, with regards to Premier League clubs. So Liverpool destroyed Red Star Belgrade, which, I mean, I don't know why in this app it doesn't have Red Star Belgrade. It has Svena Svedzva. Sve- we're using Yahoo Sports, by the way. This yes. is a free ad for you, Yahoo. Right. But um, we're using Yahoo Sports. Your app fucking sucks, like fifty percent of the time. So, well, like, why, why put that there? It's Red Star Belgrade, like. And they also don't have the logo. Yeah, they, yeah. I don't <laughs> fucking know what that is, but 
Liverpool are very dominant today, 4-0. They, they stay at the top of their uh, respective group uh, with Napoli and PSG uh, battling out to a, a very exciting draw with Di Maria's mm-hmm. finish. And then yesterday, of course, uh, City shat on Shakhtar. And, um, and Ronaldo, and a return to Old Trafford on the right wing, uh, beats, beats United. Yeah. Only 1-0 from Juventus, but... Um, Lucky goal by Dybala, too. Uh, on, the, yeah. on the rebound. Yeah. He was just kind of in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. I would say, I mean, I think United deserved to lose that game. I wasn't expecting them to come away with a win. I know a lot of people had good money on Juve, so not surprising. Uh, perhaps surprising that the goal that did decide it was as kind of coincidental as it was. Yeah, I'm just surprised they didn't get more, to be honest. I mean, De Gea, God. That save on the Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Yeah, that's a strike. unbelievable save. Yeah. And so, yeah. But I got to say that... United are not in that bad of a position. I mean, they're still in second, and I really like. I know Valencia has been horrible in the in the La Liga so far, but I mean, I expected them to give United a little bit more problems than they are. I mean, mm-hmm. they drew one one with the Young Boys yesterday, and so that's those are three points that I mean, if you're Valencia, you've got to pick those up because again, United are kind of in turmoil right now, and so so the. To go through the group H standing, it's Juventus with nine, United with four, Valencia with two, and Young Boys with one. And so, I mean, if you're, again, if you're Valencia, you gotta, you gotta pick up points there uh, in mm-hmm. the next fixture because, I mean, finishing games with Man United and Juventus, it's, that's not easy. And they got United at home, but then they go to Juventus, and so, um, it, it will be interesting to see if United make it out of that group. I, I guess the way that Valencia has played, I, I still see United making it out, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you never know. You literally never know. No, yeah. Game. I mean, it's a Jekyll and Hyde sort of scenario for that club. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's UCL. That's Champions League. That's Champions League. And uh, now we're going to get into our recap of the week before we hand out some uh, way too early awards. Yeah, definitely. So game of the weekend was definitely uh, Chelsea against United. Mm-hmm. For all the shit we talk about United, this was actually, like, an entertaining game. Yeah, this was a hell of a game. And so it was at Stamford Bridge. It's been a long time since they've won there, uh, United, which is a bit surprising. But, I mean, Chelsea comes out, and they get a goal early, and you think that, uh, or 21st minute, so kind of early. Yeah, Antonio off Ru- the Rudiger, Rudiger header, yeah. yeah. And so you think that, oh, United's in for it again, but they, they, they fight back really well with, with Martial, who's... Um, been performing better lately and yeah. so uh, that's good to see I'm a, I'm a fan of Martial I, I'm a fan of a lot of the United players to be honest just, <laughs> they're also it, fans of themselves just like individually right yeah exactly and so United went ahead 2-1 uh, with about 15 minutes left but then Ross Barkley and 96 minute yeah scores breaks and, hearts yeah breaks jo- Jose Mourinho's will yeah I seriously mean, the, the little uh, pre or post celebrate or post goal jesus post goal celebration on the sideline was was something with the chelsea assistant guy running past mm-hmm. Jose Mourinho celebrating and then running back again and get not getting in his face but definitely saying getting something. in his head for yeah, sure yeah definitely saying some <laughs> things and so Mourinho got up they had a little scuffle in the uh in the uh tunnel and so that was just yeah an overall interesting game it kind of spilled over onto the pitch for a little bit after that but uh, it was it was I mean, 
I, I don't know. I, I, I think that in a way that's a good point for United, but I mean when you whenever you concede in the ninety sixth minute mm-hmm. to only You're gonna want that one back. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna want that back. And and that's probably three points that United needed. Not not well, not needed per se, but yeah. when you play again like a a top five club and you have that opportunity, that would that would have been that would have done wonders for, for mm-hmm. the confidence of that team and the confidence of the manager and everything like that. And so um, again, they've had a tough run of fixtures, and um, I mean, with Chelsea away, and then or not Chelsea, yeah, it was Chelsea away, and then uh, Juventus at home. But uh, things are gonna cool off real quick. Actually, Don't, no. Be careful. Yeah. Be careful. <laughs> they got Bournemouth in their future. So they got Bournemouth time. next. Uh, got Everton next. And then Everton Bournemouth. next, then Bournemouth. Right. Bournemouth plays Fulham, and then plays United. Um, so yeah. Speaking of Bournemouth, we talked about this a little bit earlier when we were talking about. Uh, uh, watchability, but Bournemouth draws at Southampton. Like I said, one of the more boring games I've watched all year. Uh, <laughs> just nothing going the right way for Bournemouth. Uh, felt honestly like they escaped with a draw at points. Um, Begovic played extremely well for a day when most players on the pitch weren't for uh, for United for Bournemouth. <laughs> I'm too used to talking about United. Um, yeah, on a day when most Bournemouth players were not playing well, Begovic really stepped up. Had some great saves that kept the game level. Uh, but yeah, aside from one solid chance on goal, pretty quiet from the Cherries. So that was a bummer. I did voice this to Connor. I don't remember if I said this on the pod or not, that I was a little worried about this game, South Coast rivalry. So um, it's hardly an away game for Southampton. Uh, they came out, they played well, they played like a team that was pretty good not a few years ago. So, uh, yeah, it was. It sucked, but <laughs> I'll take one point over zero points any any day of the week. I'd like to talk about Southampton for a second. I feel uh-huh. like I have not seen them like win a game. Like they have one win. I don't know who that was against, but like every time I'm like, man, Southampton like not playing really well or mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. I, ha- I don't remember the last time they picked up a point, and I look, and they're never <laughs> in the relegation zone. I mean, they were at, at near the end it's, last it's year. It's insane, but... yeah. I, I always I expected them to get relegated last year, honestly, and they didn't. Their one win, by the way, is at Crystal Palace. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, given what Crystal Palace has been for the beginning of this year. I don't right. know if they were missing Zaha then or not. That's yeah, definitely that's a, a possibility. Um. But, yeah, Arsenal, we talked about, you know, they've stayed hot. They've looked good. 3-1 win over Leicester, um, which is... Leicester is not the team that I think people think Leicester is. I I think if you don't watch a lot of Premier League or if you don't watch really any Premier League, there's a temptation to think that Leicester is still somehow similar to the team that shocked the league and won not a few years ago. This is not that team. This yeah, is a very bad team. <laughs> it's yeah, they have they have some very bright pieces. I mean, uh, Madison, Harry Maguire, yeah, and then James Madison has been absolutely phenomenal, and that's mm-hmm. that's been that's been so much fun to watch. I, I I love watching the guy. I mean, he is he is going to be um, not the next big thing, but uh, I, he I and Lewis Cook are going to be an exciting midfield. Yeah, for, for that England team in like absolutely. four years. So I think that he brings them, but yeah, you're right. Like the, this is a far cry from the Leicester team that shocked the world and won, and won the the league the other uh, two years, three it years. It feels ago. yeah, it feels like it Goodness. recently happened, but yeah, it was it really is in the past. And yeah, when you watch this team now, you can tell. I mean, Vardy is 
very far from what he ever was, right. you know, a few years ago. And but be careful, man. Chat shit get banged. So <laughs> chat shit get banged. Um, but yeah. Speaking uh, of champions, though, I mean, City, five nil against Burnley. I was I was gonna save that for the end for my little Burnley continues to make me feel worse and worse about losing oh, to them. I'm sorry. It's okay. We can talk about it now. Burnley continues to make me feel worse and worse that Bournemouth lost to them 4-0 after getting their ass whipped by a Manchester City. And look, teams that aren't top five teams are going to get their ass whipped by City. 5-0, I mean, golly, that is brutal. Especially for the way that Sean Dyche likes to go out and play. No Burnley team should be conceding five goals to anyone and not getting anything back. I mean, it's just embarrassing. Yeah, and Burnley, again, are... So much worse than last year. It's... Which is insane. You would hope that a team that was trying to prep itself for its very rare Europa League bid. Right. Very sh- short-lived Europa short-lived, League Short-lived, yes. Um, they got to would... go to Greece. They went on holiday. Yeah, right. <laughs> they had a little vacation, a beach trip with the boys. But, um, yeah, it was... This is a bad team. This yeah. is not a fun team. And we've talked about their chances of relegation. I, th- I think I am coming around on the idea that they'll survive. Yeah. But it's it's not going to be a fun ride somewhere around 15th, I'd imagine. Right. Um, yeah. And Watford dominates Wolves, basically just switching spots in the standings. Watford now in 7th. Um, reign of the small clubs, baby. Honestly, that's unbelievable. Yeah, and Wolves will drop down to 8th. Uh, United at 9, I believe, after their draw with Chelsea. Um, so, yeah, it's... It's just, uh, or no, Wolves are Wolves are ninth. Yeah, United yeah, tenth. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is worse than uh, every. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I hope this means Watford's getting back into form after Bournemouth whipped them. Um, I'm fine with them being out of form every time Bournemouth plays them, and probably I'm sure you would love to see them out of form when Spurs play them as well. Yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty tight. Um, but yeah, they're they are like an exciting team to have in the in the. Uh, in the top, and I hope to see a lot more of them dethroning big clubs and, and such. So, yeah. yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a great Saturday for all it the United. Really wasn't I mean, United Manchester United loses pretty much loses the game. They they don't lose, but they they have to settle for a point. Mm-hmm. The death West Ham United lose one nil to Spurs, and that was just ugh, that, that, that really you were worried about that game. Too. Yeah, I mean, they always lose to West Ham away, and so. To win that game, that's that's great. And so Lamella has been in the goals recently, so it's great to see him get on the score sheet. And, and those are, again, I mean, Spurs have 21 points. That's the best Premier League start that they've had, and they really haven't been playing very well. And so mm-hmm. uh, that I'll take that, to be honest. I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah. And so uh, that was a good win for Spurs. I mean, West Ham, they were coming back up a little bit, so I, I didn't know how that one was really going to go. Uh, but then the other United that played on Saturday, Newcastle United, also lost 1-0, and they are horrible <laughs> newcastle is shit newcastle is newcastle dead gave us, they gave us, yeah they gave us a flash of hope when they played really well in the united game and nope yeah. they are they are who we thought they were yeah they are yeah <laughs> they're, they're in last place they are bad and so they have got to figure something out because this team i mean the sky bet championship is going to start printing their patch again so uh <laughs> yeah they they got i mean they had 27 shots, six on target, which, whew, 
21 shots not going on target. Yikes. Yeah. And you're, then, sending, you're sending the fans some souvenirs. Right. And then to not even score off of that is is not great. Yeah. And so, they, I mean, it's, it's no secret that the Newcastle attack isn't really their strong suit. Yeah. I don't know that they really have a strong suit. I guess goalie <laughs> would be their strong suit. Um, I don't think they have a strong. <laughs> yeah, so oh no, tough to be a tough to be a surviving team when your best player is confined within a fifteen yard space. I'd say Kennedy is also probably their best outfield player. Okay, well, <laughs> shrug. You know, yeah. I I don't really it doesn't mean anything to me, but um. Yeah, just in general, just a boring weekend. Yeah, pretty pretty mundane. Yeah. What, what, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, the Fulham-Bournemouth game, especially given Fulham just getting thrashed by one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, that means that a team with a good offense will put up eight goals, right? Stay tuned oh, for next week when I shit. eat all of my words and <laughs> Bournemouth loses 6-2. <laughs> and then Callum Wilson tears his ACL again. Nope, nope. Yeah. Knock on wood. Sorry. On that wood. probably threw off all the sound. But uh yeah, knock on wood that that doesn't happen. That would ruin my life. Uh you said oh no, reacted very vehemently well, to Well, I forgot that Spurs play City this weekend. <laughs> ah. Yes. Thankfully it's not my birthday. I was going to be so fucking pissed if they had to play them on my birthday. <laughs> yeah, but... Connor's birthday, October 27th. Wish him a happy birthday. You know, put it in the the comments or you know, tweet at us at W. Muckian, tweet at me, and I'll tell him happy birthday for you. I'll pat him on the head. Um, pat me on the head. But, uh, yeah, on Saturday, not a ton of great games. A lot of the mediocre clubs. You got Fulham Bournemouth, mm-hmm. Brighton Wolves, Liverpool Liverpool plays Cardiff, <laughs> Yikes. Southampton, Newcastle, Watford, Huddersfield, Leicester, West Ham. I mean, man, can you write a more average strip yeah. of games? Nothing nothing impactful or exciting. And so then Sunday, you got Burnley, Chelsea, uh, Palace, Arsenal, and then United-Everton. I'm really interested if that United-Everton game. Yeah, I was going to say, that that might be the most exciting one in terms of evenness of talent and also, like, relative star power. To, <laughs> I mean, the Leicester game intrigues me a little bit, just in the sense that the teams probably have even footing, West Ham and, and Leicester, yeah. but... I mean, <laughs> especially without Yarmolenko, that's just not two teams that I would want to spend any time on my Saturday watching. Right. So maybe, maybe it'll prove us wrong. Maybe we'll have mm-hmm. goals out the wazoo or just a ton of great finishes. But I think the best game is going to be reserved for, for Monday when Spurs host City. And God forbid, get some <laughs> points on that one. That would be actually a huge, huge win. We'd yeah. jump over City, to be honest. So. Which would be crazy. That would, that would, that be, would be a very... The following podcast would be hyper-optimistic. Oh, yeah. That would be um, well, dangerously optimistic. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, we'll transition into our tentative, very early end-of-season se- end awards. They're not actually end-of-season. They're very early-season awards. Yes. October awards. Yes. Trick-or-treats. All right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, I'll, I'm going to start with... We're not going to do conventional awards. We're going to kind of do it like uh, like NBA awards. You know, okay. you're yeah. going to have your MVP. You're going to have your most improved. You're going to have your manager of the year. And then you'll have... Uh, we'll do uh, super sub. Okay. Super sub. Just in, in the sixth man veil. Okay. Or vein of things. Do you have someone that you'd like to start with? Any category there that you'd like to start with? Well, I would like to do the... Um... 
MVP, which this is a very... This one was pretty easy for me, too. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be Aiden Hazard. Yeah. If he continues yeah. playing like he does, or like he has. And so, I mean, he leads the league in goals on much fewer... M- much... Much fewer? Much fewer, yeah. Much fewer attempts at goal than uh, a lot of his competitors around uh, the number of goals that he has. So he has seven goals so far uh, through nine games, and he's just been incredibly impressive. Um, he's been... He, he's so crucial and central to everything that Chelsea wants to do. Mm-hmm. And so him playing well means that obviously Chelsea are going to be playing well, and that that's, that shows in the table too. So mm-hmm. I think he's definitely the most valuable player, certainly to the team and uh, in the league probably right now as well. Yeah, I mean, no matter how you cut it, no matter how you define value or most valuable, I think I mean, he's the most valuable to what is undoubtedly one of the best teams in the league right now. He's one of the best players in the league right now. I mean, that to me, that settles it. Absolutely been brilliant from the get-go. Um, and I actually think from there, it's a pretty easy transition into manager of the year. Yeah. <laughs> with, with Sorry, the uh, Napoli mastermind turned Chelsea maestro. It's... I feel bad for as much as we bring this guy up. <laughs> Neither of us are Chelsea fans, and we talk about him every podcast as just this offensive genius. But he made Chelsea fun, and he made Chelsea exciting, and he turned Eden Hazard into what everyone thought Eden Hazard would be at some point. And I think a lot of people had started to wonder if he would ever take that half step up to you know, top five player in the world. And I feel like it's safe to say he's there right now. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I think that we can, but, we can safely say that. Yeah. I, I would say... For manager of the year, I think I would throw uh, Unai Emery in the mix. I mean, yeah, that's a good one. Coming back from everything that he kind of picked, or like everything that was going on at Arsenal when he when he stepped through the doors, and uh, getting them to the point where they are now. Again, they've won seven in the, in a row in the Premier League, and they're just uh, they're really clicking. Aubameyang and uh, Lacazette up top is looking like a lethal combination, and they're looking like a team that uh, very well may keep this fourth spot. Uh, at the end of the year and find them way, find their way back into the Champions League. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think that that's definitely big. Uh, and then I would also, uh, don't sleep on your boy, Eddie Howe. I think that... I didn't want to be the one to say it. <laughs> I think that the, what he has done for making Bournemouth a very mediocre competitor that uh, you never really think is going to get relegated, but you never really think they're going to finish anywhere above 10th, maybe. I think mm-hmm. that that has... He's, that's, something's changed there. They've uh, We've talked about this in previous podcasts, that they've kind of... Uh, gone away from or they're, they're finally starting to shed the skin of the team that got them to the Premier League mm-hmm. uh, again bringing we've talked on about actual that, talent yeah bringing on people and not being afraid to say thank you for what you've done but uh, we want to do more than finish in, in 13th and 14th yeah. and so uh, that change is not always an easy one to make for a manager and I, I think that he's he's handled that really well and uh, I mean Bournemouth again are playing super super well so mm-hmm Gotta throw him in there too. I appreciate that. I appreciate the nomination. Like I said, I don't want to be constantly just uh, hyping up my. Yeah, I didn't want to use any <laughs> terminology of that vein here. But uh, yeah, I didn't want to be sucking off Eddie Howe on the podcast. Um, yeah, we, we can move on. <laughs> we can move on to um, most improved. I don't know if you have a candidate in mind for that just yet. Player or team? I was thinking player. Okay. But, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, that makes sense. You don't give an award to a team. Yeah. Except for the champion, I suppose. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah, we'll do most improved for player. Do you have someone in mind? I don't. 
Okay. So better. <laughs> yes, I certainly do. Um, Ryan Frazier. Oh. Uh, yeah, this is where I get back on like hyping up my own team. Ryan Frazier has been just beyond beyond impressive, honestly, all season in terms of just making things go. He's been the engine that drives this team. Um, it's been hard. We've changed up the mid the things we're doing in the midfield a little bit, uh, bring it, just to integrate Lewis Cook into it after kind of keeping him on the bench for the beginning of the year. Um, but when Frazier is locked in, the team goes as he goes, and you know, it, it was hard to really understand what the Bournemouth pecking order was last year at times. There was a lot going on, and a lot of different agendas and a lot of different people just trying to figure out who they were within the scheme of the team. And I think that's a lot more defined now, and it's allowed Ryan Frazier to kind of be the spark plug guy, the guy who can go off and he gets the ball at his feet and maybe he'll take it himself, maybe he'll make a run, maybe he'll whip it in from the side. Um... Maybe he'll, yeah, he'll create his own chance. He'll create a chance for someone else. But he's been something beyond what he's been in years past. He's been his own little his own little maestro, the, his own little engine in the midfield. And stress on little. I keep saying little. He's very small. He's the better power cube. Um, <laughs> and the, the wee man, as loving Bournemouth fans call him, is my pick for uh, MIP. <laughs> Uh, I'd, I'd say that I have two to recommend. Uh, is that allowed? Okay, yeah. I mean, you recommended like three managers, so you may as well. We don't have rules. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I think that first of all is a Watford's Ricardo Pereira. I think that he's played mm. super, super well and that he has brought something to Watford this season that uh, perhaps he didn't in years past. Uh, he, he flew off the blocks scoring goals. I mean, kind of faded a little bit, but then uh, he got a, a big goal in their win against Wolves the weekend. And so I think that um, he's definitely uh, playing in a way that he he hadn't last year. And then uh, on that same vein, I'm going to go with James Madison as well, that um, he's someone who uh, is, is now very, very integral to Leicester's uh, mm-hmm. operations there. And so, and again, as we were talking, he's quickly playing his way into uh, England call-up nominations. And so oh, yeah. um, he has been absolutely fantastic as well. And again, is very, very important to everything that, that Leicester do, whether – not really scoring goals all that much. It's it's more setting things up. He's the perfect central attacking midfielder. And so um, I'd say those are my two. I'll keep it to two. Okay. I appreciate that. Um, now, I, I can't really pick a Bournemouth player for a super sub of the year um, because Bournemouth's depth and the way they play isn't really conducive to bringing on some hyper six-man type player. Um, do you have? I assume yeah. you have someone in mind. Well, I was going to... And now it's my turn to be a homer. I'm gonna. I, that's fair. I'm gonna say Lucas Mora, even though he's been oh. starting a lot lately. He he wasn't starting at the beginning of this year, and, and I he wasn't his, supposed to start. No, really. yeah, and and he's really his his increase in playing time over the past month or two months has really come out of injuries and and suspensions to uh, to other people, and so uh, again he really wasn't starting. But it's it's evident why Spurs got him from PSG and why. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's just been fantastic. He's been scoring goals. He has absolute blistering pace. And so um, he's definitely something that that brings Spurs a different angle. They don't, they don't really have a lot of speed. Like, Kane isn't slow. He's big, and he wins everything in the air and, and has, a, has a brilliant right and left foot. I mean, and Erickson creates things. But they didn't have someone who is, is speedy and who can beat people with his pace. And that's something Lucas definitely offers. And that's 
that's a completely different uh, thing that you need to, to account for, for mm-hmm. if you're a defender. And so, I mean, he burned United for pace, and that's he's really the reason that they that they opened that game up. And so, I'd say he's my he's my little super sub to go back to to tiny people. He's pretty short. Too, <laughs> yeah, I think he's like he's like five seven. So. Not, I mean, he's not minuscule. I swear he's smaller than that. Maybe he is. I'm no expert, but yeah, I mean, Lucas Moore is a tremendous pick. I think for uh, for super sub. He's also five eight. My five apologies. eight. Yeah. My apologies to anyone who's not five eight. Who anyone who's shorter than five eight? Because there's a lot of people, and that's not a bad height to be. We don't height shame on this podcast. Hmm. Just kidding. Connor makes fun of me for not being six foot all the time. Um. But yeah, Mora, absolute, I hate to overuse the word spark plug, I used it for Ryan Frazier, but he's a guy who can create goals by himself out of the most dubious of circumstances, just by nature of being blindingly quick and and maneuvering between two defenders, and suddenly he's alone on goal, and he's, you know, whacking something. Whether it actually goes near the goal is something else entirely, but he puts himself in the positions to maybe create a goal and um with his dubiousness yes with his dubiousness um and yeah you know sometimes he might blind a few people with his bald spot or something like that (laughs) but all of those things are worth it in the end because of the offensive value mora gives you he's got a crazy engine which you don't always see with these pace freaks he's a guy who he'll burn back on defense sometimes too and make a play and sometimes not. Yeah. But there's there's that potential there, and he's he's done these things in the past where you kind of scratch your head and you're like, man, PSG let this guy walk? Um, now, obviously, PSG is in a great position. But, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and I, they're, I'm sure they're not missing Lucas too much. But you see why he was on that team in the first place. You see why Tottenham made the move for him. Um, suddenly, I got to say, I mean, he, he really was their uh, – their transfer when they made no yeah, moves in the yeah, transfer he sure world. He's, a, he's he should be a bigger name, I think, in in Premier League talk than he is, because he is so supremely talented. You betcha, you betcha. Um, and that'll wrap up. I think everything we had planned for today. We're gonna come back next week. Fulham and Bournemouth. Yeah. Spurs City. <laughs> Those are Ooh. the only two notable games. Everything else is unimportant. Um. But yeah, hopefully I'll have my article up by then. Stay tuned for that. And uh, I'll be plugging that on Twitter uh, just about the uh, small market comeback. So we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye.